0: Welcome to today's episode about organizational happiness. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the importance of, is your staff, are your people happy? Because I feel like without a happy staff and a happy organization, I feel like coming from a place of working in an environment like that, nothing can get done. What's your immediate thought about how to keep your organization in a good place?
1: Well, I mean, the staff is everything. You know, your team, I like to call them the team rather than staff. Um, but their health and their happiness is paramount to the success of the organization. Everybody has to be on the track, going the same direction. Working together as a team, I liken it into a football team is a good analogy. You know, you got different positions on a football team. you got the quarterback, who's the star, right? He's the one they talk about most. Uh, he's a key position. But at the same time, you have a kicker, you have a lineman, you have defensive guys, offensive guys, In some roles, you never hear them talk about much. The offensive line, okay? They don't talk about those guys much. But without a good line, your quarterback's not going to be any good. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, with all these different positions, everybody has to be on the same page. Everybody shares a spotlight. Some get the spotlight, some don't. Some are seen as more important than others, but they're not. If you don't have 11 guys on the field all playing together – then the team itself is not going to function.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I think the second highest player behind the quarterback is the the left tackle. Left, yeah, you know, to everybody. Sl-
1: everybody watches Blindside, okay? Yeah. So we all know that.
0: <laughs> so I'm not that smart, okay? But it's
1: true, you know, because he's got to protect the quarterback's blindside. Yeah. So in an organization, you know, every single person is as important as the other one. Yeah. So you know the people that clean the buildings or mow the yard are just as important as the people who are directing marketing and whatever. And so you have to have that buy-in and that team atmosphere from everybody. And it needs to be healthy because, you know, some organizations run on fear, you know, they're the head person, maybe the kind of person that just like you get it done or you're fired. Um, And that can work for a period of time. But after a while, Fear quits working. Mm -hmm. Same with coaching. I believe it's the same in coaching. You know, I coached Little League and stuff like that. And I saw coaches in football, parent coaches, who, you know, would belittle the players or humiliate the players in front of the other players. And I just found that very detrimental in the long term because after a while, you yell at them enough, they're going to quit listening. Yeah. You know? And so I think as an organization, you have to have all the parts working together and you have to have people that feel like they're involved and that and that their part is important no matter what position it is they all need to feel that way
0: yeah i think when i worked under you and was in such a low position and getting the people's the people's ear on matters that in your perception, we're going really well. What's a way that you can kind of gauge when you're in such a high level, like an executive position, how can you gauge the overall organization's happiness? Like what's a way to do that?
1: It can be difficult because a lot of times people put on a face in front of you that maybe that not they're not being honest, you know, because everybody wants to say, you know, be positive and think that everything's going good. But in the back when they're talking to their coworkers, They're mumbling and grumbling about things, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it's kind of hard as being an executive in a high level, but you got to get out and go talk to the people. Yeah. You know, I tried to make it a point to go meet with all the departments, you know, and just sit and talk and let them ask questions, bring up ideas. You know, I thought it was really big for everybody to contribute ideas, no matter if even it was their department or somebody else's department Mm -hmm. or just the, you know, how we – how we communicate with our constituents, you know, everything, if they have input and they feel valued, then they're going to start working more mentally on how to come up with ideas and how to make changes. If they feel like they're going to be heard, you know, you can't do them all, you know, sometimes their ideas don't work or there's reasons that we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just have to explain to them or, you know, these are the hurdles with your idea You know, how do you see that we could come good around that? Mm -hmm. But it really makes them feel valued, Mm -hmm. you know, and they should be valued. They are valued. I mean, they're your people, you know, they see the stuff every day that you don't see. And so I would try to go down and sit with the departments periodically and just listen and walking around, you know, walk around, talk to people. But they have to feel comfortable and they have to feel like they can trust you, you know. And so that's a big part of it is building a relationship with your team so that you understand who they are you know, what their goals in life are, what they're wanting to accomplish even outside of the organization. Um, And so in order to get that honest feedback, you really have to have some type of relationship and trust in them.
0: Yeah. I remember one time he sent out a 360 review and being in a department, a lower department and people saying, I didn't really know if it was anonymous. I didn't really know who was going to read it. Um, And them not being fully honest because they didn't know who they could trust. And I remember people saying, well, if I would have known your dad was going to read it, I would have been 100% honest because they trusted you. You know, and I think you did such a good job of um, building that trust. However, keeping the structure of organization goals first versus relationship first. So talk a little bit about how you balance that.
1: Well, every, everybody, every manager in an organization has to put the organization first. That's their job. You know, they have to put the organization first. And so you everything you do, you kind of weigh it off of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, you have to your team is the one getting the job done. Right. So you have to give them the tools that they need, the training they need. Right. And you have to, one, understand what it is they need Mm -hmm. by listening to them. And so, I think with an uh, understanding of that, with a communication and a relationship with your team members or people maybe that are under you as a manager, um, you want a relationship, but it's hard to be besties. You know, it's hard to be best friends with people.
0: Like texting you, at night and well, stuff like well, that. Well,
1: you kind of have to have a separation yeah. of that. You know, I have a lot of people that worked for me that I'm good friends with, you know, but at the same time, it can be difficult if you get too close to make decisions that are unbiased Mm -hmm. you know that are in the best interest of the organization at the end of the day and so you want a relationship with them but it's also difficult to be like hanging out with them all the time on the weekends and stuff like that because I really feel like you have to have some level of separation there of you're still the boss you know Mm -hmm. and so you're still going to have to make calls that may be difficult or you know even sometimes let people go
0: yeah, we we actually have an entire episode on when you know to fire someone, which is pretty f- kind of fun to listen to. But it's interesting you say, you know, you want to be friends with them. Kind of talk a little bit about the importance of valuing someone as an employee and also valuing their time outside of work, you know, not blowing them up when they're not in the office. And, and you've talked to me and coaching me in the way that I would lead a team, you know, don't text them at 10 p.m. asking hey did you do this you know unless it's detrimental like talk a little bit about that how do you know
1: I can tell you the the way I always did it It is when it was five o'clock or whatever time quitting time was I let them go home and be be themselves there's times obviously in any organization where you're going to have something comes up you know and I've got to talk to you after hours but when I do if you see me calling or texting you know it's something that's we need to handle right now. Mm -hmm. So that's going to happen. But for the most part, I go home, I leave my stuff at work best I can. And I want them to leave their work at work, Mm -hmm. you know, and go home and do their private lives and enjoy their family, whatever it is. I don't want to be bothering them at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night or on the weekends. You know,
0: I think that creates two things that, like you said, it values when they do see your name pop up on their phone, they want to get to it because they know you wouldn't be reaching out unless it were important. But then also I think it's important to, decompress and relax and it makes you better at your job the next day and that's something I know that you value a lot is both sides of the organization leadership and the other side everyone executing as well has to feel respected so talk a little bit about um you know when when someone when a when an executive or a manager when they push the limits on that, when they, when they push too far, what would you advise someone on the receiving end of that? How would you want them to communicate to you? Hey, you know, I don't work till boundaries. 9 p.m. Boundaries. Yeah. Everybody has How, to boundaries. What's the it's rest-
1: difficult, though, for an employee to say that to their boss. Exactly. But I, knew, I do know some people that manage that way. Like, they live 24-7 for what they're doing, and they want the people underneath them to live that same way. And it's extremely difficult. It burns people out. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, when you do need all hands on deck, and we have to work extra hours, or we have to work the weekend because we have a project, okay, now people are willing to be like, okay, this is serious. You know, I'm willing to get in there and give it my all after hours, or on the weekend, whatever it takes to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Well, it you know because it means something because we don't do this all day every day. But when people live their lives and they want their employees to live their whole lives, whether it's a church or business or whatever it's going to burn them out. It really does. And I've known people who have just had to say, I'm not answering my phone after work. Yeah. You know, you're blowing my phone up. It's too much. And it causes resentment. You know, people need to be with their families.
0: And I think people need to recognize that if they do make the attempt at saying, Hey, I just need a little bit more rest time. If that's not respected on the other end, then maybe it's time to evaluate on the, on that side of things. Is this really where I want to work? If this is how little I'm valued. I you
1: know. agree. So you have to be able to communicate, mm-hmm. right? And that's where the trust and relationship with your employees come in. You know, if they don't trust you to be able to say something that's negative, like, you know, I'm, I can't do this. I'm working too many hours. You know, it's burning me out. I need to I need to talk with you about that. If they don't feel like they can go to their superior and have these conversations, then it's going to cause problems and that's where the relationship comes in and it's where respect comes in from the manager having respect for that person's time having respect for them that they have a family to go home to and they want to do things with their kids mm-hmm. you know that that person has other goals in life other than just working for you and so i think it's a respect both ways you know and sometimes like i say you got to call all hands on deck well somebody that's been respected is more likely to get in there and buckle down and get it done, then somebody that's getting treated like that on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Eventually your production's just gonna go down, you know, and they're gonna burn out. So if you're that employee and you don't feel like you have that level of trust to be able to communicate to your supervisor, then it's a difficult position to be in. Because I mean, some people some people are just managers, they're just like a dictator, you know? Yeah. It's do it my way or the highway. And you know, I don't really want your input. I want to do it the way I want to do it. And I just don't agree with that type of management style.
0: Well, what's the alternative to that? For a manager? Yeah.
1: Well, the alternative is to we're a team together. Like my job as a manager and you're my employee is to make sure that you have the tools you need, right? Mm -hmm. That you have the training that you need, that you have all the resources. My job is to help you get your job done. Mm -hmm. That's what my job is, you know? And as I make you look good and give you the tools that you need, you're going to make me look good. But some people are even threatened by people underneath them that are smart, aggressive, you know, they feel their job is in, is threatened. When I look at it completely different. I want the smartest people. I want more people that are smarter than me working for me. Yeah. Right? Because I want their input. I want them to use their brains. I want them to use the gifts that God's given them, not mine. If they do everything the way I want to do it, then it would to be one dimensional. Yeah. You know, and so I want to encourage my staff to bring ideas. You know, to put it back on them and to delegate and to let them succeed or fail. you have to let them have the ability to succeed or fail. if you're gonna answer all the questions, then pretty soon they're not gonna they're gonna quit thinking because mm-hmm. why would I have to figure it out because I'm just gonna give it to you and you're gonna tell me what to do well now you've you've stif- you've um stifled their creativity, you've stifled what God's given them and gifts, right. And so they're going to quit thinking. It's kind of like socialism. You know, if everybody's the same and I get told what to do, then I'm going to quit being creative. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons like the U.S. is so good is because it thrives on creativity and individualism and and thinking outside the box, right? Well, that's what you want from your people mm-hmm. is you want them thinking, you want them bringing results. And you know what? Sometimes you need to take their ideas. If You know, even if it... You know, you always think it's a mediocre idea and it's really not going to make much change. Mm -hmm. Just taking it and doing it because it was their idea empowers them so much. You know what they're going to do? They're going to come back with some more ideas. And a lot of times they're going to come back with good ideas. And and so you want to um, foster that creativity in them. But if you're dictating everything and you're micromanaging everybody's stuff, Everything has to have approval from you and go through you. Then it's just going to quash all of that creativity and it's going to become one dimensional. Yeah. And then you might as well just do it yourself. But I don't see I don't get people that want to do it that way. I want I mean I want to delegate. Yeah. Right? Because that means I can focus on the bigger things, the more important things instead of micromanaging the day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't understand people that want to do that. It's just more work. Well, it's
0: fear-based, which is what you started this whole thing with. It's operating out of fear of failure. Are we going to mm-hmm. fail? Um I need to make sure that my eyes and hands are on everything so that nothing slips through the cracks and that leads to everything you just said is, you know, just over, over, over to the point that nothing's getting done. Everything's so, you know, it has you know everything has it's to bottleneck. Yeah, it
1: gets bottlenecked. With that you. was the word
0: I was looking for?
1: Yeah, it gets bottlenecked with you making the decision. You know, and it's like, um, why do that to yourself, and why do do it to your teammates?
0: One of the things that you used to ask me when I would come to you about, how, you know, how do, how do I know if I should hire this person or that person? And one thing you would always say to me is, "Well, what does the position mean to them?" You know, is this their life goal or is this a stepping stone? Talk a little bit about, you know, positions, knowing where someone's at in their position will, I think, help understanding that lead to their happiness in that position.
1: Well, I mean, I think any organization, you have people that are called to the organization and people that are called through. Mm -hmm. So some people there are there for life, you know. That's their goal. That's where they want to be. And then some people, it's transitional. You know, they're there for a period of time. You might even be there for a period of time. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're all somewhere for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Nothing's really permanent. And so I think that you really, that comes back to understanding that person and what their goals are. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times employees may struggle to tell their manager that, you know, this is not my life dream. Yeah. You know, I really want to see, I see myself doing this someday, which may even be outside the organization. You know, but as a manager, you have to respect that, Mm -hmm. right? And I want to see you succeed, whether it's here or somewhere else. I always told people, you know, if you're feeling like you're not supposed to be here anymore and you're just doing it for a paycheck, then you really should consider going somewhere else and doing what you love to do or what you want to do, right? Because you're not doing anybody any favors, and
0: then you can fill that spot with someone who really wants to be there.
1: Yeah, and if it's if it's a transitional phase for them and they're not going to be here for it, it's okay, you know. If you trust God. You know, and you have trust in that they leave. Somebody else is going to come and maybe somebody even better. But a lot of people are, you know, they're threatened. They can't tell their boss that because they may think, well, they think I'm not interested in the company. You know, maybe they're only there for two or three years, but you encourage them and you help them fulfill it. And you know what? If you want to go somewhere else, let me help you. Yeah. I would tell that to the staff. You know, I was like, if if you're not happy here and you want to go somewhere else, let us know. I will help you transition. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll even give you some severance to help you make that transition. And I want to see you succeed. I want to see everybody. I, I don't know. That's one of my deals. It's like when I meet people, I start thinking, how can I help them? Mm-hmm. You know, is there, You know, if they're telling me something, a lot of people, this is what I've come to believe, particularly in the last several years. There's givers and takers. You can sum people up in that category. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out which ones they are. But like for me for example, when I meet you and you're telling me a project you're doing or whatever, I start thinking, How can I help you? Right. I don't start thinking, okay, how can I help you and get paid for it? What's the <laughs> an angle for me? Why would I even help you yeah. if I'm not gonna get something out of it? But I start thinking about relationships who I know that might be able to help you with your project. And there's other people that when they meet you, they're sitting there thinking, What can I get from them? Yeah. You know? And I think that when you're in that place of wanting to give to your employee and help them, then you're secure in the fact that even if they don't stay here, you know, they, they wind up wanting to go be a real estate agent or whatever it is, then more power to them, help them be that, you know, as long as they're doing a good job while they're there. But if you're secure that, you know, the next person in may even be better. Yeah. You know, so you're not threatened by the fact that maybe they're not going to be in your department. You know, maybe they want to transfer to a different department. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yeah. You know, as long as that, you have to be secure, though, in the fact that, you know, that the next person up is going to be as good or better.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I find myself in a position now with my boss in L.A. is I'm constantly asking her, are you happy with my work? Are you happy with what I'm doing? Like, is this pleasing to you? Am I even on the right track? And um, that's something, you know, with reviews, what should, what should a manager implement into a review before and after? Because, like, for me, I would love to know what you're looking for before the review. <laughs> like, I don't want to find out at the review when I'm graded poorly that I wasn't pleased. I think
1: most reviews historically that I've been around are just bull. You know, everybody puts excellent, 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 you know, and then they get a 4% raise and there's really no meat behind it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've looked at appraisals for years and it's like, everybody gets an excellent or exceeds when I know everybody's not. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is that they get that review once a year and it's what the manager can think of for the last, you know, six weeks or two months, Mm -hmm. three months, whatever, And not the whole year. And I really think that the way appraisals need to be done is, first of all, employees want to know what they're being held accountable for. They want to know what their job is. This is your job. This is how you're going to be graded for it. Mm -hmm. And there need to be measures. You know, whether if it's sales, okay, well, then you can kind of, you can measure sales pretty easy. Mm -hmm. If it's um, housekeeping, how do you measure that? Yeah. You know, that can be a little bit difficult because there's not a measurable thing. Um, But each individual, it means so much to an employee to actually know what they're being held accountable for, know what they're being graded on, and they know what their responsibilities are. You need to establish that with them up front and say, this is your job. This is what you're supposed to do. It sounds simple, but so many people come to work. They don't get the training they need. Yeah. They just get thrown into the mix, and then they don't really know what they're being held, held accountable for. So those things need to be measurable for the individual, for their department, and for the organization, mm-hmm. you know, all the way from the top down. Here's our goal. Here's our vision. Here's how we're going to measure whether or not we're obtaining that goal and that vision as an organization. Here's your department. Here's what your department's responsibility for. Here's how your department's going to be graded. And then here's you as an individual, and here's how your individual work is going to be graded and looked at. Mm-hmm. And then everybody knows, but then you hold them accountable to it, and you hold them accountable by those measurements. Now when you do that appraisal, you have something measurable to say that, okay, you're falling short in this area. You know Your attitude's great, but your production is low, and it needs to be brought up. Mm -hmm. And then they know. And then if they don't, if they don't reach the um, expectation that you have for them, then you really got to ask yourself why. Is it me? Is it my lack of training? Have I not taught them what they need? Um, Do they need more training? Do they need different tools? Uh, Or is it them? Like I'm providing all these things. I'm having these discussions with them, but they're not, their level of work is not coming up to where it needs to be. So is it their fault? Mm -hmm. Now, if they can bring it up, great. But if they can't, then you have to deal with it in some way. And that way, coaching,
0: you go into extreme detail in an upcoming episode that we have. You know, it's all about assessing that, and it's so good. I think that um, it's pretty pretty clear to say that organizational happiness correlates to communication.
1: Absolutely, it's
0: a hundred percent that parallel. So,
1: and it's real easy to forget that. Yeah, you think everybody knows what the goals and the exactly. visions are and everything, and everybody's on the same page, but you got to reiterate that with people from a macro level, and all the way down to a micro level, as a where they as an individual. But the organization has to know what their goals are yeah. and what the vision is, and you have to keep reminding reminding them of that.
0: Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe leave comments and messages on social media. We'd love to hear your questions about this topic as we move into other topics and other episodes. But uh, thank you so much for listening. No, thank you.